Hey, good morning. You look good, by the way. I love it. I love it. This is a, this has kind of been a marathon of a week. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and generally, I feel, I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit a lot. I've got a lot of notes, but I try to run through my, my messages a couple times at least before it comes to Sunday, and I did. And something came, it, it came out different every single time. So I don't, I don't know what you guys are going to hear this morning. It might be new for me too. So we're just going to let the Holy Spirit do his thing. So um, uh, welcome to Beecher Island. A few new faces here. Gosh darn, love to see you guys. Awesome to see you all. Hey, and I wanted to mention this right quick. Um, here at Beecher Island, we, during Sunday school, if you haven't been to Sunday school, you should come to Sunday school. <laughs> Like, I, I feel like we could just do that again, and I wouldn't have to stand up here at all, because that was so powerful this morning. I loved it. Um, but during Sunday school, we do pass a plate and to give offering. Nobody, you don't ever feel like you have to do that. We never, we never pass a plate during service. That's just something we don't do. If it's on your heart, if God has laid it on your heart to give, to beat your island, to, it's, it's to God is what it is. Uh, there's a box right back over there that you can slip some money into if that's on your heart. That's all I'm going to say about it, all right? I'll let Corey preach about that. It, <laughs> I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> but anyway, Beecher Island, uh, lovely place to be. I, I love it. This is home. This is home. Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. We get to say that every Sunday. And man, amen is right. We just, it can speak for itself. I don't have to say anything else about that. So, hey, this morning, we're going to be back in Revelation again. So uh, we're going to do a bunch of recap. We're going to finish that up today, the stuff that I've been talking about for the last few weeks. Um, it's going to be in Revelation chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and flip that thing open to Revelation chapter 3. Um, and while we're going there, let me say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for, for the sunshine, for the, for the grass that's greening up, Lord, the, the wheat's popping, and, and just this life, the calves bucking around and playing, and, and just all the stuff. And this morning, Lord, uh, your word is so deep, so big, so powerful, uh, so comforting. Lord, and, and this morning, I just ask you to open our hearts that we can hear what you have to say. And God, uh, as I speak your word this morning, Lord, I just pray that it all comes straight from you, Lord, that, uh, that the truth gets spoken and the truth gets heard this morning. And for that, uh, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so here we are. We're in Revelation chapter 3. I'm just going to do a quick little recap because I feel like today we're going to finish it up. I don't feel like, I feel like I could, I could be up here for another month and still talk about what we've been talking about, but I'm going to finish it up because Corey's coming back next week, and I can take a deep breath and don't have to worry about it, and he can come do what God's told him to do. So anyway, it'll be, it'll be very good. But Revelation chapter 3, uh, we've been talking about this message to the church of Laodicea, and, uh, and so we're, that's what we're going to finish up today. I'm just going to kind of do a quick recap of it. Um, Jesus is talking, this is in Revelation, John's on the, on the, on the prison island of Patmos when this message gets revealed to him, this whole book of Revelation, the Revelation, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and this this specific passage has just been on my heart so prevalent here lately. And so in, in chapter 3, starting in verse 14 um, and, and following, Jesus tells us who he is, that he is the deity, he is God, and he is Christ. He is 100% man, he is 100% uh, God. 
And in 15, he goes on to say, I know your deeds. He's talking to the church of Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And remember, clear back like a month ago, this is the this is the scripture. This is the verse that I was wrestling with God about because I read that and it says I've always thought about that. I've heard it preached so many times that this is about the temperature of your faith. It's all about how hot, how on fire, how hot you are for Christ. And if you're not hot for Christ and you're lukewarm, then He's going to spit you out. But even worse than that, He says, "I wish that you were cold." And I'm like, man, that that just does not line up with the Jesus I know. It does not line up with the gospel that I know that Jesus would say, I wish you were cold. Like worse, like to completely turn your back on Jesus, like to, to shun him, to not even believe he, like you're taking your, your own demise in your own hands and he would rather you be that way than be lukewarm. And, and so that was the, that was the start of this whole thing. And, and as we, as we, uncovered it and started dissecting that. Remember, there was the three towns. He's talking about Laodicea sits somewhere here. Colossae was off to the side, and, and, and Heropolis was off to the other side of Laodicea. In Laodicea, they were a thriving metropolis. It was rich. They had all kinds of stuff going on. There was a pipeline coming in to their, to their city, and by the time it got there, it was lukewarm, and it had all kinds of nasty amounts of carbonate, calcium carbonate in it, which would, if you drank it, would make you puke. Okay, so this was the this was the the picture that Jesus is painting next to the next to it in Colossae, just up the river. This cold, cold, refreshing, thirst quenching water was coming in. On the other side of Laodicea was Heropolis. Heropolis was known for its hot springs. They were thick with minerals. You could go there and be healed. So Jesus is saying, "I would rather you be cold or hot as good things. Both things are good than be lukewarm." Does that make sense? I, I want to make sure that, that makes sense. It does not have anything to do with the temperature of your faith. It was talking about where your heart is. God wants you to be, the, the goodness of God needs to be dwelling inside of you. That is cold. It is hot the way that he paints this picture. Jesus doesn't want to spit you out. He wants you to be cold or hot. Don't be lukewarm. And so as we continued on through that, um, he said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. But he says, you say that you are rich, that you have everything that you need. And he goes on to tell him, man, you are not. You don't realize, you don't realize that, uh, that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind and naked, even though they think they have it all figured out. They've got money. They've got everything that they need at the, at the tips of their fingertips. And Jesus says, you, you don't get it because you don't have me. You see, in this... In this message, it was, a, it was a message to the church of Laodicea. There, we, could, we could argue that there were no believers at Laodicea. It was set up in Christ. That's the thing that blows my mind is this church was set up in Christ. Paul's apostle, Epaphras, was one who we believe set this church up. Christ was there at one time. Thirty years later when he's writing this letter, there's no believers left. There's no believers left. And he, he's saying, you, you thought you had it all figured out. Come back to me. Come back to me. And he tells them, this is... This is how loving our God is. He tells them the ways. He says, come back to me, buy gold for me, buy the white garments for me, buy salve so that I can open your eyes. Quit thinking you can do it on your own. And then he goes on to what we talked about last week. He says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Remember, we talked, there is a huge difference between discipline and punishment. There's a huge difference between discipline and punishment. That's what it was all about last week. Punishment happened on that cross when Jesus Christ was hung up there. Punishment was taken care of. 
Discipline is a, it's a, it's an action of love from a father. Discipline leads to life. Punishment leads to death. And Jesus done took care of that. We don't have to worry about the punishment. If you have Jesus in you, he might discipline you and it's going to be for life. And it is for his good. It is for his good because he loves us. And so then the next thing he says, therefore be zealous and repent. And these are the last two words that I have to get through today. <laughs> I hope I can get it done. Um, there is so much, so much depth to when we talk about what it means to be zealous and repent. And you know, this is another one of those things, just like last week, discipline is kind of a hard word. Like we don't like to hear that. Same thing with repent. Repentance, sometimes we don't want to hear about that because it's like, I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you this from my standpoint. Sometimes it's hard to preach it because I don't want to say something that's going to offend you. And I'm going to tell you what, I don't care this morning if I offend you. If you're offended, it's your own fault. How does that sound? <laughs> I just want to speak the truth and I want our faith to be, to be strengthened because of his word and because of how good he is. And so we're just going to dive into it. Um, um, first off, the, the first word that he says there, he says zealous. And man, I have talked and I have thought and I have prayed extensively about what, what does the word zealous mean. And I even, I've got a strong concordance in my house. And from the, from the Greek word, it, it, zelo, zelo, zelu, I don't know how you say it. It's a cool word though. Any, any word that starts with Z, I kind of like it. But it's from the Greek word zelu, and it says to have a warmth of feeling for or against. Okay, I'm with that. You kind of have a warm feeling in your heart. That's cool. It also says a focused desire characterized by passion and commitment. A focused desire characterized by passion and commitment. I like both of those things, but it still didn't really tie it up for me. So I have a cowboy definition, too, if that's okay. I'll, I'll say it. I think it's with gusto. Let's live our lives with gusto like we have God, like we have a Savior, like we have somebody that has redeemed us, that has brought us up out of the pits, out of the, out of the darkness. Let's live like it. It's with gusto. When I go to a Brandon, I tell you, I'd be this, I got to be careful because sometimes I feel like Brandon's can become an idol of mine because I just love going to Brandon's all the time. But man, I love going to Brandon's. And when I'm at a Brandon, it's, it's, my, it's my goal to have more fun than anybody else there. And I, I try really hard to make that happen, and I think a lot of times it does, but it's with gusto, and that's the way that I need to be with Christ. That's, why, that's the way I need to be with his Bible and, and showing who I am through him, showing who he is through me, however that works out. With gusto, with gusto. It's, it's the knowledge of the truth with 100% certainty. The truth is in this book right here, and knowing it, and not doubting a word of it, and knowing that every part of it is good, and it is for, for me to learn from. It's with excitement. It's with seriousness. It's a not wavering with your whole being, with everything you got, is what it is to be zealous. It is good. It is good to run, to, to, to know our God and what He did for us. And to, to shout, we could shout from the rooftops if we wanted to. Maybe you don't feel like you have to or you need to. I, it doesn't matter to me, but it's, it's, to be, it's, it's just to give it, give it your all, give everything you got. I, I was specifically looking, I'm, I'm kind of like Tabby. Sometimes I, I try to search for something in the Bible where it would just blatantly just, just show me, show me what you're trying to tell me, God. And it says in Romans 12 too, never 
be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I mean, that's a really, really good scripture, obviously. But it doesn't tell me what does it mean to be zealous. And so I just kept praying about it. I'm like, Lord, there's got to be something in here. And I'm flipping through my Bible. And, and, the, and the scripture that I kept landing on, and there are, I'm just going to pause here for a second. There are so many scriptures and things that we talked about in Sunday school this morning that, that cross right over to what, I'm, what this is about, which I think is awesome. But um, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Matthew right quick. Matthew 20. 22. Matthew 22. When I think about what it means to be zealous for God, and if Jesus was going to say, this is how you can be zealous, this is what, this is what came to mind. Now I'm going to set the stage. Jesus was talking to some Pharisees and some Sadducees. You know, he got in fights and not, not actual fights, but he, he got in some, some arguments and confrontations with them over and over, and he always came out on top, which it's like, yeah, Jesus, do it. But he was talking to them, and, uh, and they, were, they were trying to trap him. They were trying to, to get him backed into a corner where he's going to say something that shouldn't be said, and then they can go ahead and arrest him and prosecute him and do all this stuff. But Jesus is smarter than they were. <laughs> and it says uh, in verse 35, 22 verse 35, it says one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, testing him. And Jesus says, teacher, or, I'm sorry, the, the Pharisee said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and to love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. Man, what a statement. What a statement that Jesus is saying. And you know, I, I don't have this amazing, long, extensive knowledge of the Bible. There's many people in here that know this book better than I do. But I do know this, that there's ten commandments that were written back in the Old Testament. Some of you probably have those memorized. But there was ten commandments, and, and that's that's... I'm sure that that's what the Pharisees were talking about. Then look at them, Ten Commandments. In the Mosaic Law, there were 613 laws. We can narrow it down to these Ten Commandments, and I, I'm guessing that that's what the Pharisees were saying. Which of those commandments is the greatest? And so I, I wrote down these Ten Commandments that are back in Deuteronomy. And it sounds like I'm going off on a rabbit trail, but I'll come back, I promise. But it says, number one, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, they shall have no idols. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And thou shalt not covet. There was ten commandments that the Pharisees were talking about. Which one of those was the best? Which one of those was the greatest? And I don't remember if Corey preached it up here or if I heard it someplace else. I feel like Corey preached it here when he was going through the book of John. What, what I think is so cool is that if you were to split those Ten Commandments into two overarching commandments, we take number one through four. You shall have no other gods. You shall have no idols. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Can we not lump that into what Jesus says? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Jesus just condenses it. And then the last six, honor the father and the mother, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, and you shall not covet. Can we lump those into 
love your neighbor as yourself. And I think even Corey might have said he felt like one of those was written on one tablet and the other one was written on the other tablet. I, I don't know. It was, it was a cool represent, or picture that, that Corey pointed, uh, painted up here. But how do we be zealous? And we go to, these, go to this scripture right here, and it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, with everything that you've got, and to love your neighbor as yourself. I believe in my heart that that's how we can show how to be zealous, is to love, to love. And that, we, we try so hard to, to get right with the Lord. We try so hard to get back in good graces with Him. And, and, and I'm like, me standing up here, I've said this before, this, this does not mean that I'm zealous. Is it a way that I can be zealous? Yeah, sure. But that doesn't mean that you have to go out and you have to preach the gospel everywhere you go. It doesn't mean, like, expound it from your mouth. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that you have to go and read your Bible for four hours a day. It doesn't mean that you have to have to get on your knees morning and night and, and pray. Like, those things become works. All we have to do is love our God. Just love Him. And when you can love Him, He will route your life the direction that He needs it to go. All we have to do is love Him. And when we love Him and we love our neighbor, we show it. We use our body to show it, and they're going to start going, huh, there's something different about that guy. What's different about that guy? What's different about that lady? Well, I can tell you, they got Jesus in them. That's what it is. That's what it is. To be zealous is just to love. Love with everything that you've got. The Lord your God and your neighbor. Love with everything that you've got. You know, I, th I think about the, the Ten Commandments. It tells us what not to do. There's like eight of those that he says, this is what you don't do. What I think is cool is how Jesus turns it around and he says, this is what you can do. This is what to do. Go love. Go love. So he says, be zealous and repent. And this is a scary one. This is the hard one, right? Be zealous and repent. What does it mean to repent? Just a quick little definition, I think, just to simplify it as good as we can. To repent means to change your mind from sin. To change your mind from sin. That's what repent is. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this, it's always for an improvement. It's always for an improvement. Repent, change your mind. I think last week in Sunday school we talked a little bit about how our brains, uh, I'm no... I'm just going to tell you what, what, we, what we said. Our brains have these pathways. When we think, our, our brains connect these emotions and our feelings and, and what, uh, maybe that's a physical feeling or whatever, but there's, there's pathways that our brains connect in our head. And once those pathways are connected, when we're not thinking about anything else, our brains just default to that way of thinking or that kind of emotion or that kind of feeling. But we can change that if we start thinking and meditating really, really hard, we can change those pathways so that when, when we're not thinking about something specifically at all, we're actually thinking about what we need to be thinking about. And so many times, we, we, are, we are deep into sin. We, we have sin in our life. And as we go through, if we leave this building today and you go back out into the world is your brain thinking about the sin? Is that just what you default to? Or is it thinking about God? 
To repent is to turn away from that stuff and turn toward the Father. Turn toward God with everything that you've got. It means that you're not going to think about that stuff anymore. That you're going to think about God. And you're saying, and I'm, you're going, yeah, sounds easy, right? I've been there. I've been there. I, shoot, I am there every day. I'm not proud of it. But you know what? That's part, of, that's part of being in this world. We have sin in us. But how do you react to that? Are you turning toward it or are you turning to God? You know, we, we prayed for a man that he came and preached here quite a few little Sundays. His name is Joseph Proctor. And I'll tell you, the, the sermon that he preached that day, um, the, the, the one that I remember, and some of you in here might remember this too, but it was, it was one of the sermons that really got me to understand what God was wanting me to do. And he said, and it was just a short blip in it, but he said, our faith is like a ship. And maybe it's sitting in a harbor, I don't know. And he says, all you have to do is get your sails up so it'll catch the wind. Get your sails up, get that ship moving, and let God be the rudder. And let God be the rudder. Well, I'm going to tell you what, at that time when I heard that sermon, I feel like my ship was out on a nasty old ocean with big old waves. And I didn't, I didn't even know. I mean, it's kind of fun for a while, right? You're going up and down like a roller coaster. I don't know. Yeah, sure. But it was in sin, right? And he's saying, let God have the rudder. Let God have the rudder. And, so, and man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And that's exactly what I needed to hear. To let God turn my faith with the direction that needed, it needed to be toward Him. And so, so many times... I wish it was like a jet ski. I wish I could be buzzing along and be like, oh, that's wrong. Burn! And go the other way. But it's not like that. And for me, I know there's people that have been to prison. They, they've, they've been in, in their, their lives are just a wreck. And in, the, in an instant, they've hit rock bottom and they can turn around and, and they repent. They go straight back to Jesus. That's the only direction they go. That's amazing. I don't have a testimony like that. I feel like I'm in a big old ship and, I, and it's just taken a long time for God to turn that thing the direction back toward Him. But you know what? My eyes have been on Him. There's still sin. There's still problems. There's still hurt in this world that I'm going to have to take care of to go through whatever it is. But God is turning this ship back toward Him. And as, the more that I pray and the more that I talk to Him, the more that I spend time with Him, the more that my brain is thinking about Him. And pretty quick, it just lines up. It takes longer than we'd like it to sometimes. But man, isn't, isn't it true? Isn't it true that sin can be fun? That sin is something that... Like, like in this room right now, everyone has something they're struggling with. And if you tell me no, then I'm going to pull that verse out that says you're a liar. <laughs> the Bible says if you say you don't sin, that makes you a liar. But we all have that sin. Maybe we have multiple sin, I don't know. But what if you were to think about that just for a moment, sitting right there in your pew, that one sin that is just prevalent, you just can't figure out how to get over it. You can't seem to get past it. What if you gave that one to God? What if you gave that one to God? What if you went away from this place today and you went out somewhere by yourself 
Because I'll admit, when I, go, when I come to God and I want to start praying about my sin, it's tough. I don't want to admit all that stuff to God. It's like, for whatever reason, I think he can't handle it or something. I don't know. But he's the only one that can handle it. He's the only one that can take that. He's the only one that has took it. Have you ever thought about this? That the day that Jesus died on that cross, he, he died for past, present, and future sins. Even all of my past sins were in his future. Have you ever thought about that? All of your sins today were in the future, according to Jesus, when he died. He died for those too. He died for those too. What an amazing God we have. So repent. He says, repent. Stop thinking about the bad. Stop thinking about that sin. If you know that it's wrong, stop thinking about it. And every time you want to think about it, think toward God. Because I'll tell you this right now. If you are thinking about God, you can't think about sin. If you're thinking about sin, it's pretty darn hard to think about God. And maybe your brain's like mine. It's like, God, sin, God, sin, God, sin. But it can't do it at the same time. And over time, I hope it becomes more God, more God, more God. And then as I'm going throughout my day, I find myself thinking about God more than I am thinking about sin. Give that thing to Him. And turn from it. And go toward Him. Run. If we turn our mind to Jesus, He is light. And in Him there is no, what? Darkness. There is no darkness at all. So if our mind is pointed toward Jesus, pointed toward the Father, there is no sin there. There is no darkness there. Run toward it. Run toward the light. Let it envelop you. Let it be the thing that bursts forth from you. All that other stuff, we can feel bad about it all you want. Whatever. Like, I just want to say quit. Quit worrying about it. We, we come to the Father and we ask for forgiveness. And does He forgive us? Yes. Absolutely. Every time, does He forgive us? Yes. So you know, that's something that Jesus, that is something that Jesus has done for us. He has forgiven our sins. When it comes to repenting, it's something for us to do. It's our action. It's more than just a lip service. It's more than just asking a question. And he's telling us to repent. He's saying, you move your feet. And you go from this place. And you come to me. That is what repenting is all about. I think it's crazy how um, it, many other times when we read about repentance in the New Testament, even Jesus, he, he said, repent and believe in the gospel. And I think it's interesting that repent always comes first, it seems like, before it says believe. And in a way, I feel like, well, don't you have to believe in God before you repent? I don't know, because in Revelation it says, be zealous and then repent, so it's after. But I, I thought about that a lot with Jesus saying, repent and believe in the gospel. And I'll tell you what, the first, the instant you, the, the instant that you repent, your mind is going to the Father. In a way, in the smallest of instances, right there, you are repenting. And then look out. Look what God can give you. You start learning about the gospel. You start learning about what he did for you on the cross. You can believe in that. You just have to turn to him. Turn to him. Away from all the other stuff. Again, I was... 
looking, Lord, if there was if there was an example in the Bible of what it looks like to repent, and what 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 becomes of what happens when we repent, what would that look like? And I just want you guys to hear these words. I don't want you to turn your Bible there. I just want you to hear it. I'm not going to put a title on it. Many of you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about when I start reading it, but I want to read this to you. And as I read it, everything that you know about Revelation chapter 3 and this church of Laodicea, and the way that it was originally set up in Christ, they went away from Christ, and he's saying if you come back, if you come back, you can have a place with me up on my throne. Okay, so think about that as I'm reading this. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later, that son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. The son was given everything. He was given life. He had it. He possessed it. And it was good. He went on a journey into distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. This young man went, and he took everything that his father had just given him. He wandered off on his own, thinking he had it all figured out. And he blew it. Loose living. He, he blew it. He, I don't know what he blew it on. We can only imagine. But he squandered the whole deal. There wasn't nothing left. And I'm just going to admit, and I'm guilty as charged, how many times, I don't want to say there was a lot of times, there was, there was times in my life where I have life, and I know I have life. And I've turned away from the, the, the life giver, and I've went and I've blown it. Now when he had spent everything, severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. Things weren't looking too good because of what? The decisions that he made. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. He was just, he was trying to figure out a way to get himself out of this situation on his own. Doing a nasty job of feeding the hogs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pot of the but no one was giving anything to him. This dude was hurting. He was so hungry, he, he, he would have gladly eaten what he was feeding the hogs, and nobody would give him a darn thing. Because of the situation that he put himself in from the things that he did. This is what's cool. But when he came to his senses, he started changing his mind when he came to his senses, when he realized what he'd done. He said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. He knows what his father had. He had safety. He had, he had uh, everything that he needed under his father. And he's thinking, They've got, those people that are under my father, they still have everything. And here I am dying of hunger. You see, his mind is starting to shift. His mind is starting to switch gears. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Do you understand? You see the repentance starting to happen. 
He's changing his mind. He sees what he did. He sees what the Father can give him. He should have never left, but he did. The repentance is starting to happen. So he got up and he came to his father. And listen to this part. But while he was still a long way off, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He was still a long ways away. He was... And the father saw him coming. And his father could have been like, you know what? My son, you're never coming back because of what you've done. Because I gave you life and now you went and squandered that and you went and, and, and lived off by yourself and did all these things. He could have. He could have. And we could have all been like, yeah, I don't blame you for that. But what did his father do? He ran to his son. And he embraced him and kissed him. And his son's going, wait, hold on, hold on just a second, Father. I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He's like, I don't deserve this. How many of us have come to the Father saying, I don't deserve your, your grace. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve what you've done for me. I've been there. The Father never even acknowledged it. He's like, whatever. He said, the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Praise the Lord. That is what the father does. When we repent, when we turn away from our sin, when we turn away from the, the squandered living that we've done, the, 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 we got all this stuff that we're packing with us. We are nothing. We are nothing without the Father. And we are worried that when we come back into His sight, back into His, his realm, that He is going to smack us, He's going to punish us, He's going to do all the things to us, but He is right there. He has ran to you, and as soon as you open your eyes, He is going to be there, and He's saying, come on in. Let me give you a big old hug, because you are my son. That is what repentance looks like. To turn away from that kind of living and put your mind on God. That son, when he made up his mind, he never looked back. He never looked back. He was headed back to the Father. That is what repentance is. Get rid of all that stuff and go to the Father. I'm going to invite the music team back up here. Last week I had a pretty neat conversation and someone came to me and said, well, how often do I need to ask for forgiveness? Because I've, I've done this sin and I've asked for forgiveness and it seems like I just, the next morning I wake up and I, I do the same sin again. Does it sound familiar? It did to me. How often do I need to ask for forgiveness? How often do I need to repent? My answer is every day every moment, every second, whatever it is. Because when we're in that state of asking for forgiveness and repenting, then we're, we're under Him. We, we are connected with God. Corey says it all the time. And it's, it's straight out of Scripture. He says, deny your flesh, pick up your cross daily and follow Him. Pick up your cross daily and follow Him. And when we pray, Jesus told us how to pray. He says, ask for forgiveness. Father, forgive us for our trespasses and let us forgive our 
forgive those who trespass against us. Thank you. Love them. I'm going to switch gears for just a quick second. We think about this all in our life, in our personal life. He's writing this message to a church at Laodicea, a whole church, a crowd of people. So I'm going to ask us as a church today, have we walked away from Jesus in any way? Have we stepped away? Have we stepped away? Have we, have we started looking at things that we feel like matters to us more than Jesus? And I'm going to say this in my own heart. I'm not, I'm not condemning anyone. But there's a lot that's been going on in my heart because we got these new sound systems, we got these monitors, and we're always fighting in things up there in the sound room. We're trying to figure it all out. We got these ear things in, and we got all this. We've had meetings that are that are lengthy about um, about godly things. Don't get me wrong. We've had these meetings about are we doing things right? Are we we don't have a board of we, we don't have elders and deacons, and we need to get that set up right so that we're biblically sound and I'm not disagreeing with that but is that getting in the way of what Jesus is is there something else going on do we have do we have relationships in this church that are that are hurting have we mended those can we mend those what do we need to do do we as a church need to repent I, I don't know and I'm going to pray today that that's what we do whatever it is that we're always looking toward Jesus whatever that looks like. You see, it's not, I don't want to put all the weight on turning from sin. I want to put all the weight on turning to God. That's the direction we need to go. This morning I pray that you know Jesus. I pray that you believe in Him. I pray that you understand what He did for us on the cross. I pray that you understand that he was in the grave for a few days and on the third day he was risen so that we could have life. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. The last scripture in, in, in that passage in Revelation 3. To he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear. Come to the Father. Run to him. If you have a relationship with him today, awesome. If you don't today, because he will provide life. In abundant. Right now. Eternal life starts the day that you confess the Lord with your mouth. And believe that God raised him from the dead. That is the day that your eternal life with Jesus starts. Not the day they put you in the ground. Today. Come to know him. Repent. Turn away from that sin. Turn toward the Father and be zealous. Love Him. Love your neighbor and do it with as much gusto as you can because that is our God. He is so amazing and it is something to shout about. Show it. If you're a Christian, show it so people will know by what you do. If anybody needs prayers this morning, I ask you, I'll be right up here for a little while and I'll, I'd love to pray with you. Somebody else in the back would also, I know that there's other elders back there that would too. So let me pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you call us to be disciplined, 
that you would chastise us as you feel needed to, but Lord, because you love us, it's not a punishment because punishment was taken care of, God. We see how zealous you are for us and the way that you would run to us when we would turn, God. We know there is a lot, a lot of love. And it's hard for us to understand, Lord, but God, when we can love you back and love our neighbor the way that you've taught us to, Lord, that's what it means to be jealous or to be zealous. And God, help us to do that. Lord, let us look to you in all things. Let us look away from the bad things, the nasty, the sin, the whatever it is, Lord. Just let us forget about that and turn our heart toward you. And God, I know that you will bless us because you say you will. just be with us today. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and to raise him so we can have life. In Jesus' name, I pray.